This is Shayla Adams-Stafford, and you're listening to another episode of PBL in Practice. Thank you for tuning in to another week of PBL in Practice, a weekly broadcast where we talk with top leaders in project-based learning from across the nation to discover best practices, share successes and failures, and most importantly, learn from each other. My name is Shayla Adams-Stafford, and I've been an educator for the past 10 years, focusing specifically on project-based learning. I'm also the founder of Remix Education, a nonprofit that serves first-generation college-bound students and a member of the national faculty of the Buck Institute for Education. Enough about me, let's get into our guest for this week. Our guest for this week is Aaron Eisberg, an eight-year veteran of the BIE National Faculty and a learning coordinator for the Center for Excellence, a nonprofit in Napa, California. Aaron showcases what PBL looks like in action through tours and learning lab trainings, where teachers see, learn, and dive deeper into the project design process and implementation. Hi, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Shayla? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today on PBL in Practice. It's great to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So we just heard a little bit about your background. Can you give us something else that our listeners should know about you? Uh, Yeah, I think for me, uh, as a longtime kind of practitioner uh, in loving education, I think one of the things that uh, I always want to take with me, I think our experiences form and shape who we are, especially in the work and professions that we do. And and going through and spending a good part of my life uh, in, in the water, playing water polo and swimming, taking a lot of that mindset in terms of how I learned, uh, one, how to swim to all of a sudden high levels. Uh, same thing with water polo, um, you know, from learning the basics of throwing, moving the ball around the pool to all of a sudden uh, learning and playing uh, for a season in Australia. So seeing all the way from the foundational knowledge all the way through, and I I really take that same lens when it comes to students and learning, Um, you know, so that we don't ask kids to go all the way to the grand scheme, but what is that progression of learning the different stages through that process. So using that background uh, and really helping students and learners make the connections with what they're doing, uh, but then also that progression of learning. That is awesome. So you have played water polo in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. I've been very fortunate. (laughs) (laughs) Very fortunate. Awesome. I, um, the, my extent of water polo has been Marco Polo. Um, so I definitely. (laughs) (laughs) It's always fun, you know, traveling and doing this work and and meeting different people in different parts of the country and the world and, and seeing their exposure, uh, right. You go to different parts of the area. It's all about hockey and you go to, you know, California where, uh, I'm from born and raised and water polo is much bigger out here. Obviously Mm -hmm. the weather's, uh, helps suit that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you you tied in your love for water polo with your love for teaching and learning and PBL. So tell us a little bit about what brought you to project-based learning. Well, for me, it was really about uh, answering. I was always a kid who pushed back. Uh, and I think as a teacher as well, um, you know, why do kids need to know this? Why is it important? We have standards that we're held to. Uh, but growing through is hard for teachers to always answer the question that I had. Well, why do I need to know this? 
Um, and so when I decided I wanted to teach uh, a, a simple goal of mine, besides changing the world, uh, was simply, I never want to have my students ask me the question, Mr. Eisberg, why do I need to know this? Um, I wanted to help them kind of make those connections. And so as I started getting into teaching my first few years, I was doing all this, all the strategies you taught and, you know, the scaffolds, the differentiation, uh, all of those things. Um, and kids were getting the knowledge, they were learning it, and it was fantastic. And you feel validated as a teacher. But two, three weeks after all those assessments, kids wouldn't retain anything. And it was right. driving me crazy. Right. And so I, what I found was, you know, early on in my career, I, I lost my way in a way of um, how do I make sure that I'm reconnecting it and bringing content to real world authentic connections. And so that really kind of helped me formulate uh, one of my first projects. Uh, the medical intern project, which is now, you know, scaffolded out and, and much more robust, but just really helping kids connect and saying, well, why do I need to know? And how would I ever use opinion writing? How would I ever use uh, certain uh, science content or social studies? Why do I need to know about history and how does it apply? But helping kids connect and help make meaning uh, for them today and showing that what they're learning is valued and that their voice uh, matters and giving students voice as well. And so really seeing that was one of the hinge points I've had and just making sure that they can retain their knowledge through yeah. long-term making an impact and teaching the skill sets that they need. Wow. It, and I think you really touched on this concept of why, the, the why behind what we do. And if they don't really understand the why behind it, it is hard for some students to say, well, you know, what is my, my buy-in to this project if I don't understand the why? Um, right. Yeah. Right. Giving them, giving them the direction. And that's where we start, start to see more growth with students. As we know, once they know where they're going and yeah. they know that there's purpose, uh, then we start seeing a reduction in classroom management issues. We start seeing reduction in all those other challenges that teachers tend to face because there's reason, there's purpose, attendance grows. Uh, yeah. So it's a win all the way around. You know what? And, and I think Adult learners also follow that same line of thinking. If you think in PD, when you're delivering PD to your staff or just a group of educators, they want to know why too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And they want to know why and how it connects, right? Yeah. Otherwise, it becomes another thing. I mean, teachers already uh, are given a lot of things and stuff, um, but oftentimes it's the fact that they can't really make those connections. All right, Aaron, tell me a little bit about your PBL superpower. Well, I think it kind of ties into really what we've been talking about. I think one, it's bringing clarity, not only to students, but also to teachers. So making those connections are so important in our work, uh, not only content connections and how there might be interdisciplinary, but then also how do we use a really challenging pedagogy that project-based learning is and not get distracted by all the other stuff that gets us distracted. Um, so for example, in a lot of uh, the work in working with different teachers, they have different programs uh, that they use that they kind of throw up their yeah buts like, well, we're, we do AVID or we do um, this strategy or we have this scripted curriculum. And it's really about helping uncover how do those things work together as scaffolds and differentiation to really unlock the learning potential. So when working with mm -hmm. adults, it's really helping them see those connections. So just because you do AVID doesn't mean you can't do projects. It's actually AVID are fantastic right. strategies 
to help uncover things, um, you know, name the program. Um, you know, when, if we start looking at research, everything works. It's how do we help embody what works and has the most effect in student learning, helping them make those connections to help scaffold uh, the learning of students as well as teachers. So that when we're really looking at project-based learning and we're looking at training, that we're really helping them say, here's how these things work together in support of student learning, but that they're not in opposition. So that's the first thing I think in terms of the teacher lens. And then the same thing with really students is how do we ensure that there's clarity in terms of what we're asking students in terms of where they're going in their learning? And it's not just about a PowerPoint at the end, but it's really about how are you showcasing your learning through real world authentic connections? Absolutely. And I love that avid example because I think sometimes we think of PBL in a silo, but we can incorporate what you're already doing into a PBL framework for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me about your, your breakthrough PBL moment. Oh, I've had lots of them. Uh, I think one as a teacher, uh, I remember I was designing a project around the rock cycle and uh, being a big science guy, um, I always, I, my personal starting lens in terms of my planning was always looking through the science lens. Uh, and then how do I make this connection to so have kids read, write, and talk about it? And so I thought I'd be creative. We had nice little MacBooks and we, we do a, a rock podcast, seeking like a rock band and get yeah. kids excited. And it, it was great. Kids got super excited on the front end and they're going to make an enhanced podcast. Uh, about you know the rock cycle and how rocks work together and how does that in, um, how does that really influence like the type of housings and buildings and structures that societies are built around and so kids were like all in there it was a cram like I got kids excited about rocks I thought it was a breakthrough <laughs> moment right and then the third day I'm looking around I'm, as I'm going through and I'm going through the process with every kid the second third day and I'm like they're still tinkering with bells and whistles and all these other little things in their podcast. And so I had to yeah. shut it down because they were so distracted and so focused on making the podcast that they completely skipped the learning. And so for oh. me, that was a hinge point because how, what I was noticing, what I did was it wasn't the student's fault. I, I set it mm -hmm. up, right. That was, that was on me as a teacher. So really kind of backing it up and using some common phrasing, not only that day and that week with the class of this podcast, this project, it's not about the podcast. It's about the rocks. It's about the rock cycle and how do we identify hardness and minerals and all these things. That's what the content was. And here's how you're going to show your evidence of learning. You're going to show your evidence of knowledge through the podcast. And that changed the whole dynamic. So now the conversations that we're having in class with students was never about, after that, wasn't about when's my podcast due? Uh, what group am I in? All the podcast or all the questions now as we redid our need to knows was all about content. And that's really what this is about, right? How do we help connect uh, and then uh, the content and then helping kids show through voice and choice in different areas. Now, some kids ended up wanting to do a podcast. Some chose a different avenue, which was fine um, because it was really about how are they showcasing their knowledge and making their connections of, you know, uh, the environment and deposition and erosion in authentic mm -hmm. context. So that was a huge hinge point for me and really kind of pulled back. So as we start rolling projects out with kids, 
it's here's what the learning is going to be and here's how you're going to showcase it and here's how you're going to apply that in a, in a unique context. So it's a, it a huge breakthrough for me. So now I didn't use the product as a bait hook and switch um, <laughs> and to where kids thought it was all about the product, but it's really about the learning and they're going to showcase their learning through the product. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And that's a really good discussion. You know, you're making it, you know, we do have this product, but it's the process and the product is it, just a vehicle by which we're going to learn about the content. And so, you know, what would you say to like a new teacher that is kind of in that same position they were in where students are completely caught up in the product? I think you, you, have, to, you have to back it up. Uh, yeah. I mean, I so often, I see it all the time. Teachers, they get kids super excited. Like, we're going to be time travelers or, you know, we're going to be astronauts. Look, our kids are not like, they might be an astronaut one day, but they're not astronauts right now, right? They're not, <laughs> not time travelers right now. Uh, so how about we just, let's just be really have that moment of clarity. What is, how are you going to define success in your project? And mm -hmm. what is the learning goals that you want? from your students to show their evidence of, and let's not, let's make it beyond just, Oh, well, I'm going to rewrite my standards. Like, you know, if I look at opinion writing, right, the standards for opinion writing are massive. How about what success just looks like? Hey, I can, I know how to, you know, do an opinion writing and I can apply opinion writing in a local context. If we keep it simple for kids, then they're going to have more buy-in because they don't care. I mean, they're not going to see all the different uh, pieces uh, that we have in terms of standards, but really just yeah. keep it simple, right? Make those connections and have, have the kids connect. How, how might this connect? We start thinking about some of that coaching language. Uh, how, yeah. how might some of this uh, connect to their real world and their lives? Uh, and yeah. I think those little things is so often we get so wrapped up that even ourselves as teachers get so wrapped up in the product and you know, exhibition night and open houses that we lose sight of what we're really trying to do. Exactly. Exactly. And that was, that was a great answer right there. And I think that would definitely help a lot of folks in thinking, okay, how do I back this up? You know, and how do I, you know, simplify this because it's easy to get carried away <laughs> in right. thinking okay. about standards and products and, and like you said, exhibition well, night. Well, um, and then we, and then teachers start yeah. going down the path of, well, where am I going to get the materials, right? I, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for, you know, I, I don't have money for it. Well, we're starting to ask the questions that are all distractions to what our role is in terms of scaffolding, differentiating, and moving kids forward in their learning. So if we focused on that, then the other things will organically fall into place, but they're not yeah. a linchpin in terms of success of the project. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So with your breakthrough PBL moment, you gave us a bit of a challenging moment. So I'm going to push you and ask, what was your most challenging PBL moment? Oh, um, I think for me, it's, it's finding that as a, as a teacher, it's living that PBL life uh, when the structures can challenge the pedagogy. Uh, mm -hmm. And then when you see people really opposing the learning, right? So when we, I think we've all sit in that PD structure, right, where you might be resonating with what they're trying to do to really push teachers forward, but you have a couple of colleagues uh, or somebody else, you know, just sitting back with their arms crossed and, you know, living exactly what they don't want from their students. Uh, and so I think, I think in this work is when you're really passionate about helping students move forward 
uh, and in helping them connect and make connections in their own life and making this work real and authentic to every single kids that sometimes that that's challenging because there's that belief structure that, well, my kids can't, I mean, I hear that mm-hmm. uh, frequently. And yeah. I think as, as long as you come at it from the definite def, deficit mindset, you're right. Your, your kids won't because you don't have the belief structure that your kids can. Well, mm-hmm. maybe they can't right now, but they can. So now it's up to me as a teacher, say, how do we help scaffold and differentiate to get kids there? Uh, so we have people coming on our campus and a lot of times like, well, your kids are great working in groups, but our kids can't do that. Well, they, maybe not right now, but they can. So how do we help scaffold and help them with that progression of learning? Uh, going all the way back to, back to the swimming uh, or water polo example, right? When I first started, if they would have tossed me in a pool in Australia, I would have, I would have drowned, right? <laughs> You're right. I, I, I wasn't ready for that yet. There was a, a lot of progression in my own learning and experience and failures and successes and challenging and pushing and motivation and lots of coaching along the way that helped get me to that pool. Um, it wasn't just on the front end saying, okay, here, go, because we know that doesn't work. But yet sometimes we have that, we have that thinking uh, with students. So how do we just help show that progression? Absolutely. Teachers need the progression too. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, and you talked a bit about PD, and I, I kind of want to jump and talk a bit about your work um, as a learning facilitator uh, with the Center for Excellence in Napa. And maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about what you do as a learning facilitator and the study tours that folks can sign up for and how you all use that as a form of PD. Yeah. So, you know, doing this work, I think we get a lot of questions. Uh, you know, we, we sit in a room, we go to a training and we're like, okay, well, this is great. And I have a project design, but what does this really look like when it's in action? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we're, what we're trying to do is how do we help showcase and show people what does PBL really look like uh, in action Monday at 8 a.m. to Friday at 2.30 p.m. Uh, to different mm-hmm. times during the week? How, do you, how does that look and how does the scaffolding and differentiation work? So I'm fortunate enough to work, um, like you said, at, for the Center for Excellence arm of uh, New Technology High School in Napa, California. And we've been a wall-to-wall project-based learning school for 21 years. So one, it's not only showcasing I'm sorry. what we, we need to let folks know. You all are like the mothership, the, the, <laughs> the, um, the originators of this wave of innovation in, in learning. And, uh, you know, new tech is where it all began. So Correct. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's interesting. like out of, uh, I can go through the whole history of it, but I'll, I'll spare it. There's the internet for that. Um, <laughs> but as a school, uh, we really came out of it, uh, out of a need in our community is how do we help prepare our students uh, for the world, not just in content, but also skill set. So some of our founding principles uh, still remain today and will never change that we use projects as our driver of our work. Um, that, you know, we use technology as a tool for our work, uh, culture that empowers student culture for us is really important, uh, and really measuring, uh, skills and content so that we give students grades and feedback, not only on their content knowledge, but also their skill sets, uh, you know, your collaboration and your agency and really seeing how we have kids take ownership of their learning. And my favorite part is we're hundred percent 
public free school any student can come to. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, people come like, oh, well, you're chartered. Well, no, nope, we're 100% public. If you want to say, if any of your listeners want to send your kids there, they can go 100% for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do is help bring that learning and showcasing to life. So uh, we try and provide different options. So just like we want to give some student voice and choice in their projects, give uh, teachers and leaders voice and choice in terms of what do they want their experience to be and where they at in their own journey. So in a given week, we'll have teachers who just want to know more about PBL to teachers and administrators who've been doing PBL for a long time, but how do you sustain the work, right? Because we know if you just go to a three-day PD that there needs to be sustaining that goes on. And we've been fortunate enough to do it for 21 years. So um, a day, we try and incorporate three different lenses for teachers and administrators is uh, beyond a tour and classroom observations. So like, let's see what's going on in debrief. But then let's also uh, give you a a teacher lens. So whether that be meeting with teachers, uh, let's give you a student lens. So we do things like student panels where teachers, administrators can interview students on their perspective of the work, and then also the system lens. So what is this, like, what are some of the systems and structures in place from a leadership administrative perspective uh, to keep the work long-term and sustaining? Um, So as we go through is using a one-day study tour uh, as really kind of a launch of the journey um, is around what does it look like? What does it look like in action? Uh, how do we start formulating uh, what this looks like for other schools and then helping sustain that process for them? So uh, we, we do a wide range. So half day, full day, multi-day, uh, where we have teachers either on site just to start their journey and help them along the way to helping do more classroom observations. So what does a differentiation technique look like? Uh, if we're doing a, a small section in our PD training around entry event, rather than just watching a video on an entry event, hey, let's go into a classroom and let's really see it in happen, in action. Uh, rather than talking about scaffolding or assessment in PBL, uh, let's do a little learning about it. But now let's go see it in action. And how did the feedback happen in class? How did the kids know where they're at in their learning? How are they getting assessed? Different skill sets, not only observing it, but then let's have teachers come in and talk about what was their plan. How did they do it? Let's have kids come in and talk about, here's how I'm getting feedback in my learning. So really making it a learning lab, customizable experience. So teachers can actually see project-based learning in action and ask the hard questions and then get feedback. So it's a truly a learning lab experience. That's, that is really cool. And, and I, you know, I, I wish that we could take that and just export it all over the country so that (laughs) (laughs) so folks could have the experience of that learning lab because it's that's just such a a great way to see PBL in action um my question is when folks leave the learning lab and they're finished with that data on the PD you know what are some of the just common feelings um teachers that attend or and have you ever gotten like some emails, notes, and, you know, after doing a lot of success stories, the folks that have really benefited from like, having that actual experience of sitting in on a PBL classroom? 
Yeah. So a combination of things, like I think in terms of, so you have a one day or half day, it's helping sustain that. So helping then not only people coming back, but then us going out and working with them uh, Mm -hmm. around some of those best practices and skill sets. So, you know, really embodying that training spot, uh, that training Mm -hmm. process, not only for a short term, but over a two, three, four year uh, plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then helping kids and teachers, or sorry, uh, teachers, you know, asking and helping them answer the tough questions that every single teacher has when they get into this work. Uh, you know, well, what about individual accountability? What about group work? What about system questions? Is providing them not only observational time around that, but then, you know, what we call like real PBL, like let's go see it, but let's use those real world examples and let's help you build your own knowledge base around that so that you can self-sustain in the work. Um, yeah. It's a mix of on-site uh, at our school, off-site at other schools, a uh, mix of virtual support uh, to really help students, I'm sorry, helping really help teachers process through uh, their own learning in that work. Uh, but it's just, it's great to be able to, you know, my favorite part of, of all that work is we do when, during our student panels, um, our students self-select and they, they do all of that themselves. But just to have students tell their story about how PBL has impacted their life um, right. and how it's really prepared them, it, it's, it's why we do the work. It's yeah. uh, what gets excited every day. And, and I could never get enough of our student panels. I love every yeah. single one of them. <laughs> well, maybe in the future, we can have some of your students come on and talk to us a little bit about how PBL has really impacted them. Because that, that, that's why we're doing it, right? We're doing it for the students. And so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And we can have that yeah, yep. absolutely. So we're coming to the close of our interview. And I wanted to know if you have any specific tips for PBL practitioners or organizational tools that have really helped you. Yeah, I think one is um, two things that kind of have always stuck with me is one, keep it simple. Um, you know, don't get distracted uh, by all the stuff. This is really hard work. Um, and really, where are you putting your focus and energy? So what does success look like in a project uh, around the learning? And then weaving in the context uh, mm-hmm. is really helping kind of move that forward. Because uh, what that then does is remove all the other stuff that tends to get in the way of right. the learning. Uh, and then I think the other one is your networking and not like, oh, I have to be on Twitter or I have to do this. But, you know, I, growing up uh, way, way out in the country, uh, my parents always let me know and said, hey, you know, who you are friends with is a reflection of who you are. And I think as teachers, so often we get stuck in the staff room stuff. (laughs) Um, Who are you surrounding yourself with around in this work? Um, And, you know, what kind of conversations am I having around the work that I'm doing? And is it about the stuff that's getting in the way of student learning? Or is it about how am I helping improve the student learning? And I think really having those conversations help us uh, as teachers and educators, just continually moving forward and surrounding ourselves and not seeing things as roadblocks. Like I know at our school, um, you know, as our, my principal and I, as we work together, we don't really see anything as a roadblock. We can overcome anything. And right. we, that's just a belief system that we have. No matter what, what might be in front of us, we know we can, we can go through that. 
So as, as long as he and I, we have that mindset, we know there's nothing that's ever going to be in our way. We can be creative to solve any problem. And so having that mindset is really kind of helpful in the work and help keeping people move forward, moving forward. Absolutely. And Aaron, you're exactly right. The folks you surround yourself with are inevitably going to help move you forward and really just extend your mind. And so our listeners have been hanging out with you for the past 24 or five minutes or so. And how do they keep up with you after the podcast ends? Well, I think obviously this, although I just said it doesn't always have to be Twitter. Twitter's a great, (laughs) (laughs) is a a great, great way. Uh, So I'm going to give two uh, Twitter handles out. Uh, One is for work is at new tech high CFE uh, is the one work Twitter handle, which kind of shows, and you can see tours that are going on and we're going to do some live streaming of some PD this year. Um, Personally, uh, at Iceberg PBL, and that's the German spelling, E-I-S-B-E-R-G-P-B-L. And then really going through our website uh, is another great option. We're, we're making some updates over the weekend, but it's going to be going uh, updated uh, here soon, live next week. And that's newtechhighcfe.org. And those are great ways and uh, to really kind of keep up. We're trying to put more things out there for people to kind of help them in their journeys. Uh, like we're going to be showing... Uh, a live launch. Uh, we're going to be putting up some student panel uh, interviews uh, just that people can watch and, and kids telling their own stories about how this has impacted their work to try and help, you know, drive the work even farther. And people can always uh, reach out in any one of those if they need anything. Awesome. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Have a great week. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of PBL in Practice. Be sure to download this podcast and subscribe on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. This is Shayla Adams Stafford, and I hope you have a great week.